I look at everything as a learning experience. It's just something, you know, I invested out of my area of expertise. I didn't know anything about knockdown rebuilds. And I look at everything as a learning experience and hey, failure is what it is. Yep. Failures you got to learn from. Best ever listeners, before today's episode, I want to invite you to join us in Keystone, Colorado, February 20th through 22nd. It is the 2020 Best Ever Conference. And not only do I want to invite you to join us, I want to invite you to earn 15% for every ticket that you're responsible for selling should you join as an affiliate for the conference. Great way to earn money. And also, if you're planning on attending, great way to pay for your ticket, essentially. You get enough sales. So you can go to BEC20.com, and in the top left corner, it says earn 15% as an affiliate. You can click that, join the affiliate program, and you got all the resources that you need to share the good word about the Best Ever Conference in Keystone, Colorado. And we will be talking more about this on future episodes. But for now, go check out BEC20.com and that affiliate page. You can earn 15% as an affiliate, and we will see you in Keystone, Colorado. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Bob Lachance, how you doing, Bob? Very good. How you doing today? I'm doing well and looking forward to our conversation. A little bit about Bob. He's an active business owner and real estate investor and has been one since 2004. He's an ex-professional hockey player. And for the last five years, Bob has run Virtual Assistant Staffing, one of the premier virtual assistant staffing companies in the world called Riva Global, based in Hartford, Connecticut. So with that being said, Bob, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I love your show. So I really appreciate the invite. Yep. My pleasure. Absolutely. So a quick rundown. I started investing back in 2004. Just like you said, I played professional hockey prior to that for eight years, four years here in the United States and four years in Europe. I played my professional career here in the United States. It's equivalent of the AAA in baseball. So for your listeners, I was drafted by St. Louis Blues Played in their minor league system for two years and then two more years here and then had a, a good run in Europe. After that, I had to make the transition, which was pretty difficult to figure out what I was going to do after playing professional sports, which is mm-hmm. not the easiest transition. So fortunate for me, I didn't have that many <laughs> options because I left school two classes before getting my degree. Oh my. my, Yeah. Hey, I have three kids right now. My wife, at the time I had just my one son and Uh it was actually pretty interesting. I either had to go back to school and get my degree or figure out an industry that you didn't need a degree in. So at the time, it's actually pretty fun. I'm totally different today. But at the time, I did not want to go back to school. My love for school wasn't the highest. So I decided to do a lot of research on different industries that did not need a degree. So real estate investing always came up first. So I decided to jump into that space in 2004. I read a book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, which I'm sure everyone's familiar with. And then I bought a course online, just all about real estate investing, but not really anything specific. So jumped in. It was the ultimate real estate investing guide, I believe, by a guy by the name of David Wisnet. I believe he's an attorney. This is okay. way this go way back. All right. But it was fantastic because 
I learned about all different mediums, whether it's buy and hold, whether it's rehabbing, whether it's wholesaling. So it just got me into the game. So mm-hmm. what I did is I jumped in my car and I learned something from that course about farming areas, which means you're driving through neighborhoods and looking at anything that's distressed. So I called on probably about five different signs. Many of them were listed by real estate agents. And one of the things that I learned from there is networking, networking, networking is one of the most important things you can do in real estate investing, which I 100% agree on. So I made an offer. Well, first of all, I called this one agent. The property was vacant. They got me into the property, walked in the property, and it was a really bad stench of cat pee. So literally, it was boom. And I remember reading in this course, you could probably relate to this being in residential back in the day, right? So I know I got into the house and I remember reading in that course that not many people are going to make offers when there's cat urine in the house, because at the time there weren't the products that we had out today. So I made an offer on the property, believe the property is listed at about 175, made an offer at 135, they accept. So I'm like, all right, cool. But one of the problems, problems I didn't have bank financing. I didn't have contractors. I didn't have anything. So I kind of had to search around for contractors, which I found bank financing was easier to get. I had cash to rehab it. So literally in a month, put everything together, closed on it, rehabbed it within a month and made about $32,000. Sold it. Nice. Two months, which was awesome. Yeah. $32,000 a month times 12 months. You're doing very well. (laughs) That would have been awesome (laughs) (laughs) if I had consistent marketing going out. I had no idea about anything. I literally left the hockey rink and I was a business owner. I knew nothing about business. So one of the other things that I learned as well is you're networking and joining communities where your peers are. So now I'm a real estate investor. Again, my peers were literally living in a hockey locker room, which once you leave the locker room, you don't learn too much about business, right? So I joined a local real estate investing group. And the first actual speaker that I saw was speaking on pre-foreclosure short sales. So I got hooked right away. I invested in their course and that's what I wanted to do. Now I used to be a rehabber. Now I'm a short sale investor. Again, I was shiny object syndrome. I was buying everything at the time. Mm -hmm. And then one thing that I did was probably the best thing I've ever done is The next meeting at the Connecticut Real Estate Association, I asked 10 people who the top pre-foreclosure short sale investor was in Connecticut. And they all pointed to the same individual. His name is Patrick Precord. So I went up to him and I said, hey, Pat, I don't know if you're looking to add anyone to your team, but I just retired from professional hockey and I'm looking to get into pre-foreclosure. Do you have any openings? I didn't ask him for any money. I didn't ask him for a paycheck. I didn't ask for anything. I offered to give my services to him for free. And he said, you know what, Bob? Actually, I am looking for an acquisition person. And I had no idea what that meant. But what do you think I said? (laughs) Yep. I said, absolutely. And you know what he did? A nice gentleman that he did. We laugh about it today. He gives me a list of pre-foreclosure homeowners and a script. And he goes, here you go. I'm like, well, what do you mean here we go? He's like, go door knock. And I'm like, all right. So I literally from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. every single day, Monday through Friday, I door knocked on the list he would give me every week. And I would door knock. I had my script. And I would fumble through a lot of it. But probably the best thing I've ever, ever, ever done in my life. And I'd highly recommend 
if anyone wants to learn something from ground up, you got to experience it, right? How long did you do door knocking for? I did that for a little under a year. That's a while. And you said 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. Why not do it on the weekends when people are more likely to be home? Well, the reason was because I was married. Well, I'm married now, but I was uh, you married. You wanted to stay to, married? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. I wanted to stay married. And I was in Europe by myself for four years during the season, and I've come home often. But it was time to – it's like the everyday life. So I decided not to pick that time because, obviously, for I want to stay married and a lot of other reasons. But I had my son at the time as well, my first kid, and it just didn't fit with the family schedule. And that's what I found, and Pat was my mentor at the time. He said that's the best time to hit people that aren't working. So the list that he was giving me is pre-foreclosure list. And if they're having financial challenges, they would be home. So that was the mindset around that as well. So I said, all right, wow. great. Yep. So I did that for a while. And then I graduated. I brought another door knocker on in my place. And then the next year, I would sit literally on the phone like we're doing now. I had my headset on and I'd be talking to banks every single day from 9 a.m. to 5 to 6 p.m. negotiating short sales, hmm. which was absolutely incredible, incredible training. At that point, we became full partners. And then Within that time, we're doing wholesaling, we're lending money. There's a lot of other things that we're doing within the real estate niches, but we got asked from a company out of Florida at the time, if we would run their coaching program that was specifically based around short sales. So Pat and I said, absolutely. We ran that short sale company, just a coaching program behind it for about a year. And then we also, at that point, there's another company, my good buddies now, Again, I'm biased, but one of the top education companies around now, back in 2006, they asked us to be on their team to help run their coaching program because they just started it. And Pat and I were like, hey, you know what? Absolutely. Let's do it. So we helped launch another coaching program in 2006, 2007 time. And then through that time, it's pretty interesting. You learn a lot being part of different masterminds and working with coaching students, you learn a lot about what's needed in the industry. And it made us really look at our own business. We noticed that there was a huge, huge void in the industry, which happens to be time. So it doesn't matter how successful you are, not successful you are. If you're working part-time, you're working full-time, time always is a challenge for every single one of us. So it took me a number of years to try to figure out how do we fulfill and fill this void in the industry, which is getting people's time back. So fast forward to 2013, I got introduced to the virtual assistant world. And to be honest with you, Joe, I had no idea what a virtual assistant was Mm -hmm. at all, 2013. Then I did some research and I noticed it was more commonplace for the realtor world and the real estate agent world and brokerage world rather than the real estate investing world. So I hired my first VA and then a light bulb went on, boom. I said, you know what? This is definitely a void that needs to be filled in the real estate investor world. So working with my virtual assistant for a year, I decided to start my first company in 2014. And when I first launched it, it's very difficult. I don't know if you ever started a company out of country or in a different country, but there's a lot of things, yeah, there's a lot of things that you have to figure out. There's a lot of trial, there's a lot of error, there's a lot of testing. But we launched the first company in 2014 out of the Philippines. So we figured out the logistics and fast forward to today, that's where Reva Global is. Wow. 
I'm curious, and this is in no order of importance with my questions. I was just writing down some notes. The first coaching program, you ran it for a year. Why only a year? Because that's when it was hot because they were the marketing company behind it. So they were selling it and marketing it. And then the industry started changing a little bit. We were doing simultaneous closings through land trusts and a lot of title companies started changing what we were allowed to do. So it was about a year, year and a half that we actually ran that. Okay. And you didn't ask the top short sale person. What is his name? Pat Precourt. Pat. You didn't ask him for money. You just asked if he had any openings. Did he pay you for the first couple months? He paid me some commissions on closings. Yeah. So I did okay the first year, but I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's a huge takeaway of if you want to get things in life, always give before you get. I think that's really, really important. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I did, which was lucky that I did that, but I think that's a great takeaway. I was young at the time and I just happened to have the mindset of always giving before you get. What was your most uncomfortable moment as a door knocker for almost a year? Well, a couple of them, obviously, one of them is walking up to a door and seeing somebody look through the blinds, close the blinds and not answer the door. That <laughs> happens That happens very often. I've had a couple of doors close in my they're, face. They're, and... good, they're a good judge of character, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we do that now, right? If someone walks up the door, you're like, oh man, what are they trying to sell me, right? And I understood exactly where they were too. And that's one of the things that if you put yourself in their shoes and understand what they're going through. I also had a leave behind package that was very, very successful. So I'd leave a package behind if they didn't answer the door. Okay. That's not a very uncomfortable moment though. What was an uncomfortable moment thinking back? Uncomfortable moment was this one instance. I was in Bristol and I would sit down with the wife and then the husband wasn't there. We'd go through a whole spiel and then I would have to go back for another follow-up thing and the husband kicked me out of the house. That was probably the most uncomfortable thing. I didn't agree to this, et cetera. You know, there's a lot of choice words that he used, but that was the most uncomfortable part of it. But again, I always looked at it as this is part of the learning curve and a necessity of growing. Knowing what you know now, how did Pat get to be the top short sale investor in Connecticut at the time where when you ask people at the real estate meetup, who is the top person, they all pointed to him? He did a lot of speaking within the Ray Group. So he would help open up the Ray Group. He's a little older than me. So he had a ton of experience through every niche of real estate. His family had a home inspection business. He built houses. He did lease options, short sales. So he had a wide variety of education, knowledge, and experience on all aspects of investing. You said you had a leave behind package that was pretty effective. What about it was effective? The front package says nowhere to turn. And we had two sides of it. We had a program at the time to help them stay in their house and sell their house. So for instance, if you recall back in the day, refinancing was very, very easy, even if you had a foreclosure on your record. So we partnered with some mortgage companies to actually help them stay in their house as well. So we had more than one option rather than just buying their house. We actually helped them stay in their house as well. And how do you make money when you partner with a mortgage company to help them stay in the house? We did not. It was just a service that we offered to help the homeowner out. So we always look at it as, again, if you give, you receive in the end. So it's just one of the things that we've always done. Now let's talk about the virtual staffing company, Riva Global, that you have. What differentiates you from other staffing companies? (laughs) 
Great question. I get that question actually a lot. We run our VAs through a very tough recruiting process. First of all, our VAs are all four-year college graduates, very strong language and communication skills, limited accent, and they have a high emotional intelligence. They're also six-plus months in the BPO industry, which is just like the call center experience. So that's one of the things that does separate ourselves. We also run them through a four-step recruiting and interview process. We run them through what's called a, a systems check. So for those of your listeners that have used virtual assistants, one of the stressful things that happen is their connectivity. For virtual assistant, whether it's anywhere in the world, sometimes connectivity is a very big challenge. So what we do is run through a system check to make sure that they have the correct hardware, the correct internet speed, and the correct internet provider, and also the correct storage on their computers before they even pass on to the next step. We also run them through a background check because you got to know who you're working with. Also, we have run through a three-point competency and oral proficiency checklist. And then last but not least, we also run them through a disc profile. Have you ever done anything disc profiling at all? I have. Okay, cool. Yes, this is a behavioral personality kind of assessment. So what we do is when the VA goes through our process, we have a whole profile on them. And then when a client comes to us and says, hey, I want a cold caller as an example, we look back at the disc profile and we fit, it's almost like match.com. We have our placements team match up the client with the tasks that are needed that fit that profile as an example. And from a profitability standpoint, why put focus towards a virtual staffing company versus just stay on the real estate investing path? I actually do both. So I invest in some commercial syndications. I also have a standalone commercial building as well with a used appliance company in it that I also invested in. And I have a number of buy and holds as well. So I still actively do it using my virtual assistants. It's a void in the industry that I saw. And it's something that I am extremely passionate about because of the individuals that you can help throughout the world. It's just something that I've always been passionate about. You mentioned that you have a commercial building with a used appliance company that I think you said you invested in that company too? Yes, I invested in that company. I wouldn't recommend <laughs> investing in a used appliance company. It's not the highest producing moneymaker out there, but I bought into it along with the building and it's given me a small return, but it's more of preserving my cash, to be honest with it. It's not a huge moneymaker. <laughs> Okay. So let's talk about that commercial building. So did you own the building first and then you had them as a tenant or how did that work? It was my buddy. He's got a new appliance company and he used appliance company. So I bought into the building and the business at the same time. Okay. Got it. What deal have you lost the most amount of money on? It's a knockdown rebuild in Greenwich, Connecticut. We had a modular company set up to put a modular home on it. We got sold into it. It was one of those deals where we had to jump in. Now I've learned this back in 2005. I learned a lot since 2005, but it was a deal of a lifetime. I couldn't, yeah. you know, I couldn't pass up. So me <laughs> and my partner lost $150,000 in one day. <laughs> in one day? Yeah. That, that's we pretty, to, I mean, that, 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 that's kind of impressive to lose it in yeah. one day. What happened exactly? The down payment had to go hard for that one day. And then we put it down and all of a sudden stuff hit the fan and we hired a, an attorney out of Greenwich at 450 bucks an hour. And then before you know it, we're 10 grand deep and we had a decision to make. 
do we keep fighting it to where the chance of us getting our money back are probably small or do we just walk from it, lick our wounds, learn from it? I put 75 grand in, which my wife wanted to kill me. Mm -hmm. And that put 75 grand in. So we had to make an educated decision to walk on it or keep fighting for us. What exactly happened with that deal? Permitting. We got sold into all the permits were set up. We were going to scrape it and then put the modular up. But come to find out that the seller wasn't 100% truthful. And then by the time we learned that our money was already in his pocket and we didn't dot all our I's and cross our T's. So, yeah. And I don't want to keep on pouring salt into that open wound, but it's been a while. You know, it's it's been almost it's been more than a decade since then. So I I, I, I sense it's still a little bit raw, but you pretty much recovered. Yeah, I, I, I laugh at that. I look at everything as a learning experience. It's just something, you know, I invested out of my area of expertise. I didn't know anything about knockdown rebuilds and I look at everything as a learning experience and hey, failure it is what it is. Yep. Failures you got to learn from. Well, on the opposite end of the spectrum, best ever deal you've done? Best ever deal we've done. Well, there's a number of rehabs, but I would say it was the 10 unit commercial building we bought in 2014. It was a vacant building, bank owned, just a bunch of 10 storefronts. It took us three and a half years to get it up and running, and we sold it, bought it for 200, put 60 into it, and sold it for 400. Bravo. Yep. Not bad. Longer term, but uh, great. Based on your experience, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? My best real estate investing advice ever would be to get educated on what you're looking to do in real estate and get a mentor. I'm huge on education. Back in the day, back in school, I wasn't. But in my professional career from 2004 on, I invest a lot of resources on education and mentors. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, let's do it. First, quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com. The Corporate Investor Podcast is geared towards successful corporate employees with high-income jobs looking to create a second stream of income. You'll hear from successful real estate investors on the show as they describe how they got started investing while working their full-time corporate job. Listen and subscribe at thecorporateinvestor.com. That's thecorporateinvestor.com. Are you going to take those two remaining classes? Why or why not? I am not because I do not want a fallback position. If times get tough, I don't want anything to fall back and give me an excuse to work for somebody else. Best ever book you've recently read? Best ever book is Traction by Gino Wickman. Oh yeah, I just listened to that. That was my very first audio book that I listened to and then I liked it so much I bought it and it's right next to me on my desk. Best ever way you like to give back to the community? I love helping out. I love brainstorming and figuring out different ways to help people when they have challenges. And how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing? Absolutely. You go to my website at revaglobal.com or if you want to contact me, you can send an email to me at bob at revaglobal.com. That's my virtual assistant site and company. Giving before you get, making sure that you are educated by people who know the industry before jumping into the industry. You've done that many times throughout your career, 
and goes back to the Rich Dad Poor Dad and then the course that you took to asking people at the RIA who's the best person for XYZ and then you reached out to that person and now off you went as a result of that. So I think there's a common theme there. And then when you didn't do that with the knockdown rebuild in Greenwich, well, (laughs) there are the results there too. So I think there's a particular success formula that we've uncovered through this interview. So get get educated, right? Get educated. That's right. Well, hey, thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever day. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. The Corporate Investor Podcast is geared towards successful corporate employees with high-income jobs looking to create a second stream of income. You'll hear from successful real estate investors on the show as they describe how they got started investing while working their full-time corporate job. Listen and subscribe at thecorporateinvestor.com. That's thecorporateinvestor.com. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com.